What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Uncut Sheets. This is your co-host, Alex, the sports card stallion, and I'm flanked by the loudest, and I mean the loudest mouth that is east of the Mississippi. What up, everybody? It's your boy, Fat Snacks, also known as Jordan. And today we are here with a legendary guest. We know him. We love him. Eric Myers. How are you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing good. I'm just... I guess the same mm-hmm. as everybody else, right? We're just eagerly, eagerly anticipating the national. We're five days away. Uh, I, f- I feel like every day I wake up and I'm just counting down the hours till day five, day four, day three. You know, I don't know about anybody else, but I fly out Wednesday. Now I'm thinking maybe I should have flown out Tuesday just because five days is too far away. And there's there's so much to cover. There's so much to do. The Dallas show was good. The Dallas show that we just left last weekend, right? The foot traffic was light, but I feel like the pulse and there was a lot of transactions. I didn't see a lot of stuff that was mm-hmm. 20, 30% over market. I saw a lot of people moving straight at comps, trading, selling a lot of, man, honestly, I think a lot of stuff I saw was moving comps or 10% under everybody was negotiating at a good rate. And the people that were ready to deal weren't hesitant to come off five, 10%, you know, I mean, they weren't going lower than 10%, but deals are moving. Deals are moving real good. And I think that sets a good precedent for the mentality going forward, you know, for 100%, the national. 100%. Nice. Jordan, when do you get in? And then I'll go over when I get in at the national. Um, So I will be there the very first day. So people who are doing the early entry, stuff like that, if you want to come see me, um, hang out, DM me. I would love to hang out with everyone, meet everyone. Um, But yeah, I'm going to be there very first day. So anybody who wants to hang out or see me, just DM me, reach out. Love to hang out. Cool. Yeah. Likewise, I'll be there. Not the first day. I'll be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then clean up on Monday. We'll be uh, helping out Wax Stars and going back and forth between Wax Stars and, and Alt Booth, which is Booth 2404, if you didn't know. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's like we're just, it's like waiting for Christmas as a kid. That's literally, that's, that's how I feel. No, literally. It's like, it's the how I was going to say, I actually forgot. Um, but I, I was going to say, it's literally the holidays of the hobby. Yeah. Like oh. it's like Christmas or if you're Jewish, like me, Hanukkah, like you're counting down the days. Like Eric said, like literally every day I'm like, we were just talking before this five days, Eric, five days. <laughs> like it, 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 it's really unlike anything you've ever experienced is what I tell people until like, so like Daryl, who we just had on great friend of the show, shout out to Dr. Collectible also an alt alt sponsory and shout out to alt this episode is brought to you by alt of course but love you alt Alt. alt.xyz by the way alt.xyz yes (laughs) (laughs) but um back to the point um it's just it's so amazing and if you haven't gone and you haven't experienced yet There's big shows. Listen, I get there's Dallas, there's Burbank, there's the Mint, there's the uh, Canada show, which is the Canada National. There's shows overseas that are massive. But if you haven't been to the National Card Show Convention, I'm telling you, it's unlike anything you've ever experienced at a card show. And it's just unbelievable. So like the excitement we're feeling is because we've been there and we know how it is. So yeah, I, I'm beyond excited. Yeah. From my perspective, man, and I've been to, I don't know, 10, 15 nationals, a bunch, right? I've been to a bunch of nationals, but this one, 
I'm pretty certain this is going to be the largest one ever, you know, because they pushed, yes. they pushed it open about another 10, 15 percent, maybe more. Right. Tickets are saying it possibly could be the biggest ever uh, attendance wise. And the national added, I think they said, was it, I don't want to be quoted for sure, but I think it's like 10 or 15 more per, per percent more space than the 2021 we all went to or 20, the COVID one, 2021. So imagine how big that was another 10 or 15% on top of that. It should be size wise, the biggest for sure. And attendance I'm saying top three, easy, if not number mm -hmm. one. And I, I think that's going to leave uh, everybody in a good spot. Cause let's be honest here. We're about, you know, a year and a half away from the handoff to fanatics. And I feel like where people are, are hesitant because they feel like the market comps are coming down in certain players. Of course, we're not where we were in 2020, but the energy level is getting back up. Like it's getting up there. It's it's not, you know, January, February, March of 2020. But I definitely feel like we're in a lot better space than we were six, eight months ago. And I think the national, if the Dallas show is was any indication of the success the national is going to be, oh, it's going to be crazy. I mean, we had a good show at all. I think we pulled in, Total cards like three hundred fifty plus thousand. We got two hundred twenty-five thousand, two hundred thirty thousand for auction, which was probably one of our best shows in a while. You know, well over half a year that we had really good numbers and, and good cards. You'll see the next auction a lot of good football cards. We're gonna have a football themed auction starting August seventh, so we're gonna have a, a. I think that one's gonna be one of our biggest auctions in well over half a year. Super. So that's gonna be a good one. And we got a lot of those cards at the Dallas show. So if that's any indication then the national is going to be great. I do feel like we're at a position in the hobby where people are now realistic, you know, and I like that, right? Because with realism comes transactions, not just sales and buys, but a lot of trading, a lot of open-minded behavior. And I think that's where we all want to see the hobby go, you know, and I think trade night's going to be ridiculous at the card show. I mean, the national as well. There does seem to be a lot more calculated moves instead of like, you know, you you see people that are getting like their prism base cards of of nobody, like Bull Bull getting them graded. Shout out to Bull Bull, by the way. But uh, there's more calculated moves. And I recently saw a post by Cblez who said, you know, we're 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 essentially in the junk slab era. And I I'm not going to disagree uh, with with a lot of those base cards and common cards that that really bottlenecked a lot of the grading companies. Um, you know, that some of these cards are worth worth the, like the plastic, you know? So I think, yeah, you're right. People are making more calculated moves. I think we're slowly getting out of the dark. I, I, I think the bottom has been reached, in my opinion. You have your own opinion, whoever's listening. But I think the bottom has been reached. And um, I'm not saying it's going to be like this crazy big like growth period, but it'll be a healthy climb until fanatics takes that handoff and then from there i mean you you can really see some some moves with with the market yeah and I, I know so i'm old enough i'm 45 right so i remember when the old the old guard of you know tops and, and whatnot and those other brands when they handed off to upper deck right i mm -hmm. wasn't sure how that was going to work out but upper deck's inaugural brand the 89 upper deck wanted to be an iconic so yeah. that that made the transition smoother and then they made a lot of really good products in the 90s, right? They brought in autographs, numbered cards, which was great. I think the first one was Reggie Jackson, the autograph numbered card to 2,500. So, I mean, they did make some really good products. 
I was nervous when Upper Deck basically handed off to Panini, right? Because Panini, you know, Italian company, they made a lot of stickers. What do they really know about the the Western <laughs> culture, right? They, what do they know about the Western words? Fighting words, Eric. Watch it. Right, right, right. I mean, so I'm overseas collectors. <sighs> yeah. So from my perspective, I, I mean, I didn't know where they were going to go because then they brought in sticker autographs a lot. And I was hesitant and I was nervous. But I do feel like the handoff going from Panini to Fanatics, I feel a lot more comfortable with that. Because Fanatics, they feel like they're formulating a game plan, but they have the overall strategy of where they want to go. And they're making purchases. They're making moves. They're transitioning. With a year and a half out, I feel like they're really starting to transition well. They're making a great integration with athletes. They're getting, I can foresee uh, commercials in all major sports with packs and wax and watching pro athletes busting wax and stuff live during games or again with commercials before and after games. So I feel like they're making a diligent effort to take this card collecting space, and even more than card collecting, memorabilia and other things, right? Just into the absolute mainstream. So with that being said, I'm, I'm very comfortable that fanatics and now we also know that they're going to do start doing card show events that's good i yeah. love that i, I want to we all have hesitations and things mm. we're concerned about with with fanatics right but i see it's like when i see a hesitation or something makes me think i also see one or two things that makes me feel really strong strongly positive about what they're bringing into this space you know because nobody knows if it's going to work or not but i feel like they're putting their best foot forward which makes me feel very comfortable you know, they've got a lot of money invested in this, so they're not it trying to do it. Like they give a crap, you know? Yeah, That's I mean, it not... feels like it, it. Listen, you might not agree with every decision they make or every move. Not saying you personally, but people, listeners, yeah. whoever, yeah. hobbyists alike. But for fanatics to fail means the hobby fails in a sense. That's mm. not what we want. I understand people love Panini. Panini had came in. Like you said, shocked the world, did a great job. It took them a little bit to get their stride. Mm -hmm. But, man, once they did it, they did it. Um, but I think Fanatics understands the hobby. They want to be initiated, and they're doing a good faith effort of trying to make things creative and innovative and try their best. And I'm here to give them a shot. I'm not going to shun them away. I'm not going to turn my back because I like the old guard or whatever. I want to give them a fair shot and I hope to God they do amazing because I'm a hobbyist and I want the hobby to succeed in all aspects. So that's my thoughts on it. Um, Eric, as you know, you're a veteran on the show. Now we do a quick fire. Are you ready for the quick fire? Eric? It's one of my favorite things. I love the quick fire. Let's get this on the road, man. Yeah. All righty. All righty. So this one, this first one's a good one. So you're on the beach. And you see Cblez and Michael Rubin shirtless, just you know, in their full beauty. Who looks better with their shirt off? <laughs> they basically kind of have the same body structure, right? You're right. They're basically kind of the similar same body structure. That being said, Rubin looks like he's more cut, right? Especially, I don't know how old. I guess I should look that up. I don't know how old Michael Rubin is. I'm guessing he's got in his late thirties. He's twenty eight. Shout out to Michael Rubin. We should we should follow that up later in the show and see because I mean if he's in his mid forties or older, dude, he looks good, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, there was a post this morning where I'm he was with lie. he was shirtless, he's in shape for his age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he's got some. 
he's got a couple coins, a couple shekels to help that out, right? You 100%. know, so I think 100%. it. Yeah, they're basically. It looks like Cibeles was just a younger version. <laughs> Ruben. <Yeah. laughs> oh man! All right, personal question: Buy it now or best offer? Which do you like the best? Best offer. Fair best enough. Offer. But does it matter? Like, if there's a card that you gotta have, are you um, still chancing it and best offering it? You know, I'm, I have to work on this psychologically because if yeah. it's right now our best offer, and I, I really want the card, my cheapskate self is gonna offer. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. <laughs> I'm yeah. working on. I'm not perfect. I've got demons. I'm working on them. Right. Part yeah. of me is, you know, I bought one card one time like 15 years ago. I knew it was worth like five, six hundred, eight hundred bucks, whatever. And man, this is so bad, right? And the guy told me, "Wow, you know, I'll give it to you 120 bucks." And I was like, "Will you take 100?" You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> steal that man's lunch. In my mind, I'm thinking if I just jump right on it, he's gonna be like, "Well, never mind," right? So I'm thinking if I seem too overly anxious to take the offer, I had sure. to feel like there was some hesitation or something. But I always remember that because now when somebody offers me something at a fair price, I'm just like, "Yeah, just take." I mean, don't you know? Don't. Don't do what you did 15, 20 years ago, Eric. Just yeah. kind of growth, ladies and gentlemen. Growth. growth. All right, Alex, how about you next? The next All two. Right. Eric, if you had to choose one person to help save you from a zombie apocalypse who is actually in the hobby, who would it be? Who's going to help keep you alive? Oh, this is an easy question. I am that person. I'm from Dallas, Texas. I'm an open carry nut. I was a weapon okay. for years. So it ain't. Me having, you know, 40, 50,000 rounds and 20 guns isn't uncommon. <laughs> so I'm the person that people go to. to Eric said, I am the beast. Don't yeah. fuck with me. <laughs> I, know how to, I know how to hunt my dinner, right? I know how to hunt my dinner. I can do that. I'll be over then, Eric. I'll yeah. be over. If I yeah, can me and Alex have a guest passed on your apocalypse yep. farm, yep. Right, farm, We'll just right? keep the show going for the survivors. It's <laughs> awesome. All right, here's a quick one. Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Fair. Fair. Did you catch that quarterback show that was just no. recently released? No, my wife wants to watch it. So, you know, um, we supposedly it's good for like, even if you're not a fan, they have that angle. Where... Yeah. My whole family's football fans, right? So nice. Uh, that's something we bond over. All right. Hi, Jordan. Would you rather have, I think I know this answer for you Me for too. sure, yeah. have $1 million worth of dollar cards or have a $1 million card. I don't care if it's 10 cards per million or five cards per million. I'd rather have $1 million card. Yeah, I agree. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love collecting. I'm a collector too. I'm not in that balling category, but a million dollar card seems overwhelming. I'm good on that. If we can bump it up to like a thousand million or a thousand, yeah, gonna... like uh, a thousand dollars. math right now, Jordan. Think about the math. Let's yeah. see. <laughs> And let's edit this out. No. <laughs> yeah. So I will say this though: as long as it's a million dollar vintage card, I don't want a million dollar. Okay. All right. Stabilization. Okay, guys. Yeah. Well, that was a, that was a hoarder question. I wanted to see if you wanted a million one dollar cards, and obviously you're not a hoarder, so you pass pass that test. Yep, you passed the test. Here's another <laughs> good one: the year's 2004, and you're Eli Manning. Do you still tell the San Diego Chargers you don't want to play for them? Or uh, 45 minutes later, Eli, oh, or do you still tell, yeah, do you still pretty much tell them that you don't want to play for them anymore? Yeah. I mean, the weird part is I thought he was making a huge mistake at the time, but 
apparently his dad made the call and his dad made the right call because if it wasn't for Eli Manning, Brady'd have nine rings. He's known as the oh, Brady wow. Slayer, literally. Yeah, I mean, dude, nine rings. I mean, you're in Bill Russell territory at that time. You're 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 way beyond Gretzky or Jordan. You've you've mm. so superior at that point. And I agree. There are very few chinks in Brady's armor. You know, I mean, you got the, the Eagles and you know the, the Giants, but the way the Giants were underdogs came in there and just smashed them. I mean, I think Eli's way undervalued just as a as a character for one because he's an amazing I character. Yeah. I think and, it's criminally underrated. The guy's won two Super Bowls. Doesn't matter in what fashion or how you feel about him. He's the guy who beat Brady twice. twice. That's him. He's the no only one else that ever came close to doing that. So love him or hate him. I don't get why he doesn't get the same. Res- like I get Peyton overall was a better quarterback, mm-hmm. but to have that on Brady, the goat is a pretty badass thing to be known as like, you know, I don't know. Even Superman has his kryptonite, right? Um, but just so you guys are, so you know about this, uh, what happened was Eli was was drafted by the Chargers, and then 45 minutes later he was traded for Philip Rivers, who also had a great career, but never, I don't even think he played in an actual Super Bowl either. Obviously never won. So, he uh, also, fun fact, really loves his wife because that kid guy – has so many kids, he could start his own football team. And he might see some Rivers kids come up pretty soon. Rivers, I think, has like 11 children. I'm not even joking. It's like something unbelievable or like eight or something. It's a lot. Good on them. the same lady, so shout out to him. Good on them. That's tough. All right, next question. Uh, So what would you rather have? A hobby time machine where you can go back, relive, you can you can go on the set of like, uh, what do you call it, shop at home with Ken Golden and, uh, or you can, and you have the, but you can change the past, which means you could mess with the future, right? Or would you rather have a hobby magic wand where it's geared more towards the present of the future? Say you got like a PSA five and you're just like, oh, that's cute, poof. And then you change it into a 10. What do you... What are you leaning more towards, the hobby time machine or the hobby magic wand? The time machine. Yeah. I just, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I'd want anything different. I would just want to hold on to the things I had a little bit longer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying I'm going back to 86. I'm buying 15 cases for fucking $10 a box. You know, I'm going hoarding every single Jordan. I'm going right at the 2018 when Prism just dropped. I'm buying every week of Prism gold. Prism. You're going to mess up the future. <laughs> I'm hoarding cases. I'm getting it all. At one time, I had four PSA 10 Brady contenders, three nine fives, and SGC 98. I would have just sat on those, and you know, and and I think either at the same time or right after, I had two PSA 10 Curry NTs, all three or four color patches, and four nine fives. And all the nine fives were true gems or higher true gem plus plus true gem plus. If I'd have just kept that six, was that seven eight? If I'd have just kept those 14 cards and put them in a box and Set just went about my business, right dude, right now that's probably like six, seven million dollars. Yeah, easily. And easily. that's just 14 cards. And, and not even mention the black, both black label Kobe's. I mean, Jesus, dude. I bet, 
I'm going to be honest. I bet I probably only made like 15% of all the stuff I've owned. <laughs> you look at my ROI. I'm horrible. Your people think like, oh my God, look how successful he is from my point of view. I'm like, dude, I left like 90 cents on the dollar on the table in every transaction. Yeah, but you live a different type of style of selling, which I admire. You're not always here to make the biggest profit, but you understand the value of flipping money quickly and using that money, even if it's not 50% and you only made five or 10%. Taking that ten percent and then turning that into more money, and that and that's what's making you so successful, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean that, and also, I mean, my parents are about to be right at seventy. My mom's got Parkinson's and dementia. My stepdad's not much better health. My father's been—he works for a construction companies. Been in that same company for forty-nine years. Like he's hard hat, work boots, does manual labor, building roads and bridges in Dallas, which is hot. Like it's hot. He works out there in the elements. Wow. Um, so. And he doesn't really, I, I got to help him out long term, right? So from my perspective, I have to take care of not just my immediate family, but my extended family. So as much as I love the hobby and the hobby is a large part of me, it isn't who, it isn't all that I am, right? Like I, I have to make margins and I have to take care of my parents, right? So that's the most important thing in my life. So like you're right, Jordan. I mean, as much as I'd love to hang on to what I have, uh, you know, I, I do all this because the grand scheme of things, I do it all for my family. Right. That's the truth. And as I think people that are successful in this should do, right. I mean, don't put cart don't as much as I love the hobby and love this right here. Yeah. Dude, it's not, it, don't ever make it your whole life. I mean, enjoy your family and the people that love you. Enjoy. Yeah, you, and you never know when something might happen. Listen, you yeah. know, life's never guaranteed. The hobby's amazing. It's done amazing things for all three of us. But at the end of the day, um, even if it's not your family you get along with and you're, you're distant, the people, the, you know, your core circle and the people who care and love about you never neglect them. And it's a beautiful thing that you can do that for your family because of this hobby, Eric. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, I'm not going to say names, but like last uh, two weeks ago, my cousin, he's not my favorite cousin. I mean, he's a little couple years younger than me going some hard times and he's got a fiance and a kid and he couldn't make his rent, you know, and he lives in, and he lives in the Northeast. So, and being able to be able to do that because of oh, the hobby. Dude, I didn't even bet an eye. I was like, yeah, dude, just pay me back when you pay me back and whatever. I just need your bank account information. I'll send the water tomorrow. Right. And, right. And, it, and normally most people don't have just an extra three grand. They can just be like, hey, here you go. Here's, you know, whatever, you know. And But it's those opportunities in life that I guess the man upstairs has given me the blessings I have. But I know what to do with them. And that's kind of the important thing. Beautiful moment. Because ultimately, it comes down to like, do you want to keep a picture of a, a dude on a car or liquidate it, sell it, and help a family member out who literally is struggling? What's that card? <laughs> what is that? This is a Mitchell Trubisky NT. Ooh, still believing in Mitch? You're on the Mitch train this year? Emerald. Yep. I'm still eating Mitch burgers. Out of five? This is a seven out of 10. Oh, NT. Emerald's out of 10 in NT. Emerald. Yeah, the emerald foils i mean it's just a little off but really still... it's a beautiful card though yeah. it's psa 9 right 10 auto yep psa 9 autograph. Yep. all right eric final question oh, vintage cards yep. Yep. oh sorry 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 I, I i apologize no um I'm... vintage cards would you rather have a psa 5 or a bgs 6 a vintage oh god you turn you I love yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, we know what we're doing. We know. Oh, what we're doing. Like, oh, we my own country, you know, because Texas should be a country. But anyways, uh, I'm gonna go with PSA five. Right, you know. Well, here's a better question. 
PSA five or SGC six and a half? I think that's a. Ooh. I'm going. Well, you could almost say SGC six, or that's even say, or like even a SGC seven maybe or something. Oh no, that's 100 SGC. Like in some of these markets, dude, like an SGC six or five and a half is worth the same or more. Like a 52 tops mantle, you get a nice five and a half SGC. It's probably going to outsell that PSA five. Well, and something we've talked about a lot, Eric, that I think people don't talk about all the time real quickly before we get to the main topics is that people tend to not realize and vintage obviously great is important. Yeah. But I appeal is the true king. You could have a PSA three mantle and a PSA five mantle. And if the three is perfectly centered, but has some soft corners or like maybe has a wrinkle on the back that no one cares about, it will sell for more than the PSA five that is super off centered slammed and has crisp corners, but there's like a little stain on the front of the card or that like, it really is crazy to see what I appeal does. And you're someone who really made me understand this, especially within the vintage market, how important I appeal is. Yeah. I think when it comes to vintage and one thing I like about it, well, there's two things. One, there's not a multitude of rookie cards for the player, right? There's traditionally just the one, maybe two at most, but traditionally just the one card, which is cool. But then it makes it great dependent. People are like, yeah, but then the only reason it's worth anything is because it's great. Kind of true, but it still keeps it pure in a sense because the, the card matters. Like the card matters, right? So now when you look at a lot of cards, ultra modern, and you know, the searing's a little bit, five, ten percent. But you get in vintage, and if it's got great eye appeal, oh man, it could swing at 30, 40 percent in value. People really look, and that's kind of really where it's the purest part of it of collecting. Because you always hear people buy the card, not the grade. But how many people really do that? Vintage collectors, real vintage collectors, oh man, they're buying the card, not the grade. They'd prefer PSA for sure. But you give them an SGC that looks really nice and lined up against an average looking PSA, they're going to grow at that SGC 100%. Or it could be PSA for PSA. I've seen PSA two and a half that outsell threes and three and a half and 52 mantles. It's got good eye appeal. I'll take me on vintage. Did you give me good centering and soft corners? 10 times out of 10, a hundred percent. I'll take a soft corner. I'll take four soft corners over an off centered, better grade all day long. And I don't even think twice. I do it every time. Yeah. I think centering like with vintage and um, modern day, like centering is the number one thing that I would, that I would look at first if I was going to get a car centering, then probably, then probably corners. I think surface would probably be the last thing that I look at, honestly. It depends with vintage because you have, you have stainage, you have gum issues, maybe wax issues or, or wrinkles and stuff. Usually yeah. the, with the Don't one thing. All. <laughs> I got some surface issues, man, dude. Yeah. I think the one thing that's most forgiving in vintage is edges and then mm. surface. Or sorry, edges and then corners and surface. So the, mo- the two most important in vintage is going to be centering and then surface. Then it would be... Uh, edges and corners most people prefer soft corners and vintage like they're just totally okay with that if it's going to be a five or four they're hoping it's corner issues you know mm-hmm. and that that's a good thing man you know and it teaches people the nuances of of cards on a, on a deeper level you know definitely definitely the technical analysis of uh, the conditions man it's we may be even overlooking there might be like a fifth element to this or sixth element eventually, you know, which is, which is crazy, but that could be way in the future. 100%.
Well, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast, the main questions. Alex, you want to start it off for us, buddy? Sure, sure. Eric, uh, are there any latest announcements that Alt um, hasn't covered at all uh, as far as like the national? Um, as far as like late, uh, up, I guess, new announcements, no. I mean, but the, the one thing that we really want to focus on and, and push is, is the cash advances, right? So we're doing 50% cash advance for auctions right? For auction consignments. And again, that's cash. It's like hundred dollar bills. It's first come first serve. Uh, we're bringing a half million in cash. If we have to, we can go, probably go get some more, but I know we'll have a half a million right there. Hope my goal is to have it all gone by Friday or Saturday morning, right? To where we have to go to yeah. make the cash advance is a big deal. Again, it's 50%. We're not going to do 60, 65%. It's a 50% cash advance, but you'll have it before you walk away from the table. Right? So within I guess 10, 15 minutes of dropping the cards off. We'll count it out and you'll have $100 bills walking away. One thing that I'm really excited though, and we and we covered it before in the past, is this 2021 National Treasures. You know, the, the show opens Wednesday. We're doing the, the break on Friday. So 32 really, winners, right? 32 winners? Potential winners, right? Because there's only, there, there isn't 32 cards in, in the box. Oh, that's right. right. Well, there is 32 winners. You're going to win a spot into the yep. break, but yep. you don't necessarily win a card is what right, you want. Right. So there'll be 32 people we're picking. And let's be honest, there's probably, I don't see more than 500 people coming by the booth and signing up. So let's say there's 320 people. It means one in 10 people are going to be there with a chance to get a spot. And that's if you only have one ticket. But if you're a VIP and you download the Alt app, you'll have two out. You know, you'll have twice as twice the opportunity. Yeah. And again, these the cards they win, they don't have to consign them. They don't have to sell them with us to us. They can just turn around and do whatever the heck they want with them. Yeah. So hopefully, exactly. So hopefully we get some monsters in that. And yeah, then reiterate real quick how what Eric meant about the two extra tickets. If you are to reiterate, if you are a VIP member. You will get an extra ticket just for having a VIP. It will be in your bag. You can bring it to Alt. That is an extra ticket. On top of, if you sign up at the Alt booth and you uh, um, make sure to give all your information, sign up, prove it, you get an extra ticket on top of that. So those are the two ways you can earn extra tickets. No, one more. Oh, and then the last no, no. is... If you drop a consignment off, oh, you get a consignment, certain. yes. And and the third and final is consignment. So if you do all three, you can sign, you sign up, and you bring your VIP ticket, you have three times the chance or two times the chance extra. So that is a big deal. So definitely go check out the alt booth again, guys. Um, it's gonna be a big deal. They're gonna have the card museum, they're gonna have all these amazing NT logo mans, curry rookie. Giannis rookie, Josh Allen shield logo, just unbelievable cards. You never get to see Um, me and Alex will be there Uncut sheets. will be there. Dr. Collectible will be there and many other people will be there. So go check it out. Yeah. I mean, um, we're excited. Our auctions have been, I mean, there for, I want to say the past almost two months. We're, we're hitting really good numbers on our, our liquid auctions. You know, I think, over the past two months, the lowest we've done overall was like 92, 93.5%. Uh, and then we hit 97%. Last night, was we hit 100% of market value. So that's what I wanted to talk about, Eric. Um, a liquid auction ended last night on alt.xyz. And there were some pretty big sales that I want to talk about with you. So looking over at the numbers, the winner of last night, meaning kind of the biggest sale you guys made, 
was NTRPA out of is this the true out of nine uh, out of 25 book uh-huh. at 25 out of 25 42 grand i mean that's an amazing sale an amazing card you had a mega cracks bgs 95 which is a Lionel messi card um his rookie one of his most iconic cards 30 grand you had my favorite card of the auction last night the 2020 prism flashback Black Prism Luca 101, which I think is a very special card because everyone knows in the original 2020 set, there was no Prism Blacks. So if you want to collect this style of card in the iconic Prism Black, you have to go to the 2020 flashback set. And other than LeBron, I think Luca is the guy you want. And he's one of the modern players in there because it, they picked legends. LeBron was considered a legend. And then they picked the modern guys. And I think Luca's the modern guy from that set. That card did an amazing $24,000. And to round it out, a black label pop two, a Pikachu promo Japanese um, dressed in a Gyarados outfit went for 15 grand. I mean, just some amazing sales. Uh, Eric and Alex, what are your guys' thoughts on this amazing auction? Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I mean, the one that, let me pull this up quick. So the Mahomes went for spot on, what I thought it was going to do. Uh, the Mega Cracks, I, I thought 28 to 30 was the floor on it. I was hoping to get 32, 33K. But at this price in today's market, that's a strong, that's a strong card right there. I'm hoping to one day get me one myself. I'd love a true gem plus. I think whoever won this card made a great purchase. That card probably won't surface again for a while. I think he's probably going to move it for maybe 35, the national somewhere in the near future when soccer season kicks off. Again, the one that I think everybody liked was the Luca 24 grand. Nobody really knew where the floor of the ceiling of that card was. That's just one of those cards that goes out there and you just let people fight for it and just whatever happens, happens. Card could have went for 15, could have went for 40. You know, we see the true collectors, the true Luca collectors come out on that one. And I was happy at 24 grand, totally happy on that sale. Yeah. I just want, I just wanted to make sure the customer felt comfortable. Customer is happy with it. Spoke to him. He's totally, totally comfortable with that one. You know, I, I couldn't be any happier with that card. The Japanese, uh, the, the Japanese Pokemon on the promo, that one at 15, eight, I'm not sure where that market is on that one. I need to learn more on Pokemon myself, especially black labels that again, we're just trying to really grow in the TCG and the Pokemon market. So I was very happy to see that card hit 15.8. You know, that one is a good one. The The next two, the next one is the one that really kind of struck my attention. So I know the guy that can sign this card personally. It went for 12.2. I felt like it could have went for 9.5 to 13 grand. So to see it hit 12.2 was very happy. That shows me that, that people are still willing to take a risk and to take a chance on these one-of-one one gold vinyls. And Kenny Pickett seems to be a hot name. So we'll see how he does. I know he's plays for a great organization. Kenny. A yeah. lot of people. A lot of people are. A lot of people are. And again, since I knew that the seller, I was hoping to get him a number above 9,500. Talked to him this morning. I think, he, yeah, he lives here in Texas. So I talked to him probably like 8 a.m. this morning. We went over. He was couldn't have been happier. You know, I, the customer service was great. Me and him talked about every other day during the process. And he said he was just happy with how smooth the whole thing was. Once we get him paid out, I'm sure he's probably going to take his family on a vacation or, you know, buy something decent for himself. And then the showcase legacy. Uh, what a card. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's, 
It's Griffey at his finest. You have the facial, you have the headshot, right? You have the facial pick of him. The swing, the end of his like iconic swing right through. there. Yeah, and it's Legacy Rosier 97. It just, it don't, if it was a PSA 10, that would be perfect. But it's one, it's Rosier, which is what you want. Again, like you said, the imagery, the artistic beauty of the card. If I had to pick one card that just took my breath away in the whole auction, it's that Road Zero. Like whether it's eleven hundred bucks or a hundred grand, man, that card's just sexy. It's got like going into a jewelry store. That thing just freaking shines, doesn't it? Dude, that foil. It's the yeah. whole, every every aspect. It doesn't have. Normally, I don't like cards without borders, but these I do the legacy because the whole card is so beautiful. So if you put a border around it, you're actually removing some of the you know, the, the space, the real estate to expand that beauty. And the fact if it had, that card had borders, it, you would have to remove part of the face or push the two images together more. I just think that card is an iconic set. I wish they would have very limited print runs of uh, uh, throwbacks of this card. I wouldn't want to see this card come back out with a thousand print run or something, but I could, would love to see a product like this come out to where maybe they were autographed number to 50 like you had, uh, you know, the row zero number to 25, row one number to 100. I'm sorry, row one number to 50, and a row two number to 100, something like that. And they were autographed. That would be a huge chase hit. Hopefully in the future, I don't know if Fanatics can pull that off and buy the rights to it. That would be something that'd be beautiful. And then, yeah, we had a bunch of other cards in there, you know, with like Luca, um, Tom Brady. Another one that I, I'll just pick one more. I don't know if many people follow this card or know the significance. The SP Authentic Die Cut Randy Moss, number to 500, PSA 10. 2400 bucks. I thought was a strong price on that card, in my, in my opinion. You don't see a lot of Jim Mint Randy Moss cards come up available, um, at, you know, um, that are die cuts, especially his numbered rookie stuff. Because there's a lot of, I don't think people realize, there's a lot of low-key Randy Moss collectors out there, which is pretty cool. You know, I like that. Definitely like that. Those are just some of my my hits that, that, that I like to watch. And follow. I completely agree. Um, I think there was a lot of very, very cool stuff in there. And uh, I can't wait till the next liquid auction. You guys are mm. just releasing banger after banger. And uh, wait I'm pretty till- sure you guys have a special auction coming up soon. You said, correct? Yep. That's going to be one? August 7th. So that's going to be a football themed auction on August 7th. That one is going to be, that, that I mean, we're really probably going to do a lot of publicity on that one because that one's uh, going to be a big auction for us. We've got a ton of football stuff in there, just a ton of really good quality football stuff that's coming in there. And, you know, we're getting closer to preseason. You know, players are playing. I think that one's going to be a perfectly timed auction. It starts a week after the national, national ends. Uh, that's going to be a big one for us. I, I want to say it's not – so it's football-themed. It's not 100% football. I want to say 80% to 85% of the entire auction – is going to be football, so a large portion, but it's going to be some decent cards. We're going to have a lot of cards between ten and fifty thousand dollars going in there. So people who might not be looking to spend six figures but still want some good cards, whether it's flawless National Treasure Prism of their favorite players, that's going to be a good one. And I think we'll have the preview going out here in the next few days. We're going to start trickling every day closer till we get to August of cards that we're getting in the door. You know that we're getting imaged in and description and stuff. And just so your listeners know, if you haven't auctioned a car or worked with Alt before, like you heard Eric previously say, oh, you know, I talked to this person uh, earlier today. I talked to that person earlier today. 
it's not like you're just putting a card up for sale and then you're getting a check. Like the relationship is being built. Like you actually get to talk to a representative from alt, which goes a very long way, especially if you have questions, you call Eric and you ask, and he's going to make sure that you're comfortable. And I know this personally, cause I've known Eric for a while. He's going to make sure you're comfortable along the entire ride until you do get that check. And that's kind of the difference between, you know, an ordinary auction house, if you will, and an alt. Yeah, for that. And, and, and the, I know a lot of, like, there are bigger auction houses, right? And, and I understand their perspective from sometimes, right? So they're not able to, uh, to give the videos of cards that are under, you know, 40 grand or, or whatever, you know, they've got like a threshold because they got the volume and stuff. But we try to really give cards that are you know, 2500 bucks and higher. If a customer calls me and reaches out and says, hey, now if they do on the last day, if they reach out on the last day, probably can't make it happen. But if they let me know before the auction starts or a day or two into the auction, and they say, hey, do you mind doing like a, a little you know, spin video, the card turning around and do a voiceover? We love to do those things. And we're, it's not just me that does them. I do them as well. But we have about a half dozen employees that love doing those. They'll do voiceovers on people's videos. We want the customer to know that we'll put the video out on TikTok, um, Instagram, anywhere we're, that we have an affiliate with. We'll blast those. We'll put a blast out of those customers' videos. And which is nice because I, I do hear a lot where people are like, man, I wish I got a little bit more love and attention for my card. Because some people putting in like eight, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 cards, that's still a lot of money, man. In the grand scheme, that's a ton of money. But if you put that card in another auction house, you're lucky if it even gets mentioned once or if it's in, if it's in a collage of pictures, it might be up in the top left corner somewhere. Very right? true. Where it's where, grail, you know? Yeah. And that card is going to be a lot of people's grills. That's going to be a big card to a lot of people, even 10 grand or whatever. And with us, we're going to be like, Hey, let's do it. Let's do some publicity on that. You know? So, and I love that aspect. I love being able to ping my, even myself or ping other people in the company. Just be like, Hey, let's do some voiceover for this guy. You know, so that's that's one thing I like to, to make the customers happy. You know? So what what's going on in the sports world that y'all want to talk about? Other than Otani just crushing the ball like this dude might hit 60 dingers. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, dude. he's going to hit 50. Can we just agree he's going to hit? 50? I, he's going to hit probably 45, 50. It's unbelievable. And the way he's pitching like. It's getting to a point where, like, the Babe Ruth comparison is even disrespectful. Like, and I know that's wild to say, but, like, no, it really is, though. I know you're getting mad at me. Come on. Ruth never pitched like this, dude. Let's just. Oh, you're you're out of your mind. He pitched better than this. He just didn't pitch. No, he did not. Okay. Okay. And the bias for vintage has came out, ladies. His his career ERA is like 2.2. Okay. But he didn't pitch innings like Otani did. Like he was doing like three innings at a time. No, Stop. he was started. Dude, he was one of the he was one of the uh, the three best starting pitchers in when he played. What Otani is doing is unlike we've ever seen, and with the today's game and trajectory, like how it's played. Like I'm not one of those guys who are like, oh, the guys who played in the '50 were trash can men. Like today, like I don't believe that. I think if you're an all time great, you're an all time great. I just think the game has elevated. Back then, pitching 85 miles per hour was, oh, my God. Now, today, you got guys pitching 105. Like, it's just a different monster. And I think what Otani is not only doing pitching-wise, but the way he bats, like, this guy is incredible. And I'll be the first to say I was wrong. I thought it was all going to be 
oh, he had a year or two of this and it was going to fall off drastically and we're all going to talk about, you remember that crazy season of Otani? This guy just don't stop, bro. He really don't. He's just getting better and better. It's terrifying. Um, Mike Trout sweating in his night thinking about his GOAT status every day. Like, this guy has taken the shine from Mike Trout off that team. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, I'm a huge Otani fan. I'm excited. I love baseball. We're getting to important baseball series. Like, right now is when stuff starts getting interesting. Uh, So, that's my take on it. Where do you guys think he's going? Oof. I would love to see him get traded off that team. That's the rumor. That's the strong rumor because apparently they can't afford him. Yeah, I, I mean, so oh, White Sox, White Sox. No, he oh, wants to, sorry, he wants to stay on the uh, the West Coast. So I don't think that's going to change, right? I don't think that's going to change at all. Um, that, yeah, I think. But the problem is, I think he wants now. I will say this though, he, from what I've heard. He's down to staying in Anaheim, going to the going to the Mariners, which I think is a bad decision. But what do I know? But there's a chance he goes to San Francisco. It's a little bitty, it's a little bitty porch over there. Barry Bonds hitting a lot of 380 foot home runs over there. Three hundred yeah. home runs. So you put him in that park, and he could be hitting forty homers, forty dingers a year for a long time. You know. So yeah. I would like to see him. I guess me personally, I think I would like to see him. I think he'd do best in San Francisco because he's going to stay West Coast. I mean, the Dodgers could probably – I don't know if anybody's going to be able to afford his number, like really afford it. The Dodgers have the money, maybe. Yeah. I think his best chance to get a ring is going to the Dodgers without question. But I do think that his stats would probably benefit the most if he went to the Giants, in my opinion, You know, because they got that short porch over there. Now, the real question is, what's he going to make? <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's obviously going to be the biggest contract in baseball history. No questions asked. What is the biggest contract right now? $600 million for how many years? It's a, it's, it, I think it. we can Google this real quick. Um, biggest um, contract. Trout. Holy crap. 426. 426 for 12 years. Yeah, well, I think Otani will destroy that number. I know this is wild. I think some team will try to do like a 10 to 12, like all these other guys. Let's do a 10 minimum, 12, 13 max. I don't know what a max contract, 500 plus. Right. I agree. I think it's a five. I think it's a 500 to 550. Range. Let's look at how old he is. He's not old. Otani's like, he's, he's 29. So he's 29. I'm going to go on a limb here. I mean, do you give him a 12-year contract? I just wouldn't. I would probably. I no, feel like he's a pitcher and a batter. At some point, he's going to have to choose, I, I think. Yeah, but yeah. a team will pay for his good years. That's what I'm telling you guys. Like, you got to think about the teams. Like, I, I, I'm being goofy with the White Sox, but White Sox, Cubs, Dodgers, teams with amazingly high cap space. I know you're like, I'm just saying teams that, like, those are three of the biggest New York Yankees, teams that have, unbelievable ownership and owners who are willing to spend. Now the Sox have the money. Reinsdorf is the cheapest man in the world, but uh, don't get me started on that rant. Um, But the point being is you got to look at teams that it can afford him. 
And if you're a team that can afford him and you feel like right now is your time to win, I mean, I'm willing to pay Otani, let's say, let's just say 10 years, 500 million, make you the richest contract on one of the shorter long-term contracts. And I'll pay for those next three good years and understand at the end half, you're going to choose one or the other. And I probably won't get, I will pay for prime time Otani right now. That's how good he is. I mean it. And his sales Jersey revenue, what he brings, like, bro, Otani brings eyeballs. Like you uh-huh. see anywhere you go, be honest. When you see baseball jerseys, do you not see Otani everywhere? Like, everywhere i see him all the time in chicago and unless you're from california and moved over here why are otani jerseys floating all around the city i think he gets 11 years 600 million i'm calling it now probably average somewhere about was that like 52 53 million let me me see real quick eric said he's well he's ready to pay the man well so here's the thing go home and buy his own country (laughs) by Otani Island that over on Otani Island he just has a baseball stadium he imports fans they're pitching the balls (laughs) so it's 54 and a half million a year and so here's the thing so he's a DH right but he pitches right so he could realistically if he goes to the right stadium he could be batting 270 280 hit 35 dingers a year right like I mean at the late stage He's going to have some good years. I think he, where he's going to bat 280 plus and hit 35 to 40 dingers a year. And that's probably the next until the next three or four years, right? But he's going to be a starting pitcher in at least another three or four years. The good thing is, let's say he kind of falls off a little bit as a starter. He'd be a great mid relief pitcher to come in, you know, you know, inning five on a bad game, inning six and seven. He could pitch two, three innings a game pretty consistently, I think. So it saves you money on mid relief pitchers and he can still be a really good DH. So, and he could probably be a mid-relief pitcher the rest of his career. Like, I don't see why he couldn't. Or just like you said, switch him to DH. Now that there's when he gets older, just go listen, preserve your power. Don't worry about your arm. I get you're your great pitcher. He's got to do both. I'm going to be honest. If Closer. right now, today, right now at Otani primetime, he's an amazing pitcher. He's an amazing batter. I think he's near equal He's probably better at batting, but he's he's right a very, very, very elite pitcher. Let's not discount. If you had to look at him and say, oh, you might not agree very elite, but he's a top-tier pitcher. I would look at him right now and say, hey, if the league was like, hey, f- from now on, we don't allow dual pitching and batting for whatever reason. I know that would never happen, but like, I'd much rather have him as Otani the batter than Otani the pitcher. So as he gets later to in his career and he can't handle or maintain both, I'd much rather have Otani the batter than Otani the reliever. I, that's yeah. just my opinion. Well, and it's weird because I guess it can you can kind of compare it to Babe Ruth because Babe Ruth, the first four years of his career, there was no question people thought he was a way better pitcher than he was better. They just didn't know how good of a batter he was. So that's what I was saying earlier. Jordan, like he pitched three, he was three and in the World Series. He pitched 31 innings gave up three runs right so he had a like a point nine era but i'm just i'm just saying right so like his career era was like 2.2 he was one of the top three greatest pitchers in the majors at the time right so that's why the yankees wanted him they didn't want him to hit they knew he could kind of hit they they wanted him to pitch but then he got there and he became this prolific hitter where otani last year it was no question he was a better pitcher than he was last year i mean than a hitter last year i think last year let me look at his stats real quick i want to say last year it wasn't as crazy as this year. Nowhere near. Well, his, uh, his, I want to say his, um, p- his 
pitching last year, he was a much better pitcher than he was of a hitter. And this year, he's a better hitter than a pitcher. So it's hard to make the case because there's no real consistency. One year, he could have like a 2.6, 2.7 ERA and be like a top five pitcher, but bat 260 and hit 32, 35 home runs. And you're like, hey, he's a top 25, top 30 hitter. But this year, he's clearly top five hitter, but he's a, he's above average pitcher. He's top Exactly. Pitcher. No, uh, agreed. So you can't really – it's hard to say which one he's better at because depending on what year, he's he isn't just consistent better at one than the other. Like he's definitely can switch, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I just want to see Otani as a closing thought kind on it. I want to see Otani really play for a contending team. Like, listen, if the angels somehow can get their head out of their butt and, you know, Mike Trout and him can go on a run together, that would be so good for the sport. I would be happy, but I just, listen, it's one of the reasons I don't like Trout. I'm not like, listen, whatever you want to give him the excuses, he's the go. I don't want to hear it. Bro, I want to see top-tier players compete at the highest level. And to not get to see players like Trout or Otani or Soto, like these guys or like these top-tier guys play in playoffs, it's very disappointing for fans. Like, especially when you have a team that isn't making the playoffs. At that point, I just want to see the best players play ball. So – I really just want to see Otani go to a team where he'll be able to compete and we'll get to see him in the playoffs and we get to see how he compares towards that elite level of competition and how, you know, if he sinks or swims when the stakes are at the highest. So that's how I feel about it. Alex, any thoughts? I, I think he's a, I don't even want to call him a generational talent. It's beyond that. It's a, it's a lifetime talent because we're comparing him to Ruth who hasn't played in what, like 40, 50 years, probably longer than that. He is a lifetime talent. 90. And uh, multi-generational talent. I'll be observing closely to see, you know, I wish we could uh, figure out what that money ball algorithm is to see what his actual money ball value is. I'm sure it's up there. Yeah. I think his probably money ball talent does put him between 48 and 55 million. So he'll, I do feel like he'll get, you know, uh, I don't think he'll drop below 50 million per, but I don't see him hitting 60. I could be wrong. I just think that 54, 55 mark on 11 year deal for the right team. I was That's what I'm saying. 50, 10, 500, maybe like 55 11, 55, max, 11, yeah. but somewhere around there. I think I'm looking at the teams. I feel like the Giants are probably where he's going to land because they're, I mean, granted, they're third in the West in the National League West, but they still got 54 wins. They would probably be like, they would be. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they're just a good competitive team. Because you look at the, the Angels now, they're 49 wins. They're, I just feel like they're a much better team, the Giants. And San Francisco's, I mean, let's be honest. Love it or hate it, but there's some nice parts of San Francisco to live. Like, there's some money places that you could live, you know, in San Francisco, over by the Golden Gate Bridge, you know. So, I can see that. Now, another player we talk about real quick. Let me go back to stats. Um, man, Acuna's having a good year. Freddie Freeman for his old butt still killing What's it. Cunha's stats right now. So I'm pulling Cunha. He's batting, dude. So he's played 96 games, right? So he's missed like one or two games the whole year. He's got 23 dingers, right? But he's batting uh, three three thirty two. He's on pace three to bat three thirty for him is really good. That's he's amazing. On, 
Oh yeah, he's on pace to. So he's on boy, pace. You see my boy. I know you like to give me crap, but he's hitting his stride too. Lou Bob, Lou yeah. Bob, healthiest season he's ever played. Played ninety five games, so one under uh, uh, Cunha. Um, batting two seventy five, he's lifted that from two fifty. Um, and I think he'll end the year over three hundred. If you want my honest opinion. 28 dingers, so he's tied for 30 or third in the league. I think he's on pace for a 40 300 season. I mean, the White Sox are atrocious, but man, I it's it's funny, it's very validating and nice to see that this guy is what I thought he was. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, the Sox just stink, 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 but it is validating and nice to see my boy like. He was he was compared to guys like Trout. Like he's a real five tool. He's probably one of the best center fielders in the league. I will say that you don't have to agree. I believe it. He won a Gold Glove his rookie year. He'll probably win a Gold Glove this year. Um, in center field, that's not easy to do. Again, probably going to bat over three hundred and probably finish the season with over fifty dingers. And he has fifty seven RBIs, which is middle of the field. But you know. It's he's tied for 27th, which is more than middle of the field, but still not bad. So there's a lot of exciting young talent to be excited about. The MLBs in a great, great place. And I'm just excited to get to playoff baseball and see what happens next. Um, Alex, I think you had a question about another sport that you wanted to bring up. Why don't you do that for us? Yeah, since we were talking about Japanese athletes with Otani, there's also another Japanese athlete. Uh who was drafted in, a, I think it was like the 70s uh, in, in the NHL. And he went by the name of Taro Sujimoto. Have you guys ever heard of Taro Sujimoto? Never. Heard story. You heard the story? Yeah. <laughs> so it was the 74 uh, NHL draft. And he didn't exist. Exactly. So the Buffalo Sabres were up to draft. And they drafted a man named Taro Sujimoto. Well, just so happens that the Sabres general manager, his name was Punch Imlock, was frustrated just by the absurd length of the draft. And in the late rounds, he decided to have a little fun and just submitted a card with this guy's name, Ta Taro Sujimoto. <laughs> Gave it. They said it over, you know how they announce him. They said it. And then he just never existed. Um. So what's crazy about that is there's actually a score uh, made a card of Taro Sujimoto back in 2010. Shut it's the, the SS, it's a SSP, yeah, and they, they're extremely rare. I think I saw some uh, end on eBay not too long ago, but they go between like just raw. I believe they go between like 1,000 and 1,500. And they have an image of just this, this guy in skates Freedom. on there. And uh, he just, he doesn't exist. Thought I would share that. It's pretty funny. That is absolutely hilarious. And this is like some of the fun things I think hobby companies, i.e. fanatics, should look into. Like, you don't need to make cards for fake guys again. But what I'm saying is it's fun, innovative stuff like that that makes collectors go crazy. I mean, a card of a fake guy is selling for $1,500. Just think about that. Like, it's funny, niche, goofy stuff that collectors like. And um, I think bringing fun back to the hobby is an important aspect. How do you feel about that, Eric? Yeah, I think doing stuff like that is really cool. 
you know, I don't mind them making random cards, you know, uh, for players, but I think that's pretty cool. I definitely understand why they probably did that though. And just made like some random card. I, I you know what? I, I don't know, man. I mean, so it's kind of hard to tell like where I want to see growth of things I'd like to see for cards moving forward. Cause they make a, a lot of different cards. If I had, I do like the fact that fanatics is focused on trying to get as many on card autos as they can. Love if I, it. If, if I, yeah, I think everybody loves that. If I had to see, say one thing that I like to see fanatics do, and I know this is going to be very controversial. I'd like to see national treasures go away and I would like to see tops dynasty. Be the new Let's go. I would like to see them focus on almost exclusively game use if possible on card hundred percent of the time. And I love just the overall presentation of Top Dynasty. Bring Dynasty to all sports, basketball, all, all major sports: soccer, basketball, football, um, baseball. Obviously, baseball. I don't care if Tops only makes one product in football, the Tops Dynasty. You know, I, I don't, agree. I don't. I just want to see one product that transcends multi-sports. To where we can all kind of just really throw a weight behind that, you know. The one critique I would say for Dynasty, and this is just my opinion, if anyone's listening, Michael Rubin, shout out to you. Just saying, the one flaw Dynasty has, and I love the product, it is one of the most slept on products in the hobby. You look at every card in Dynasty, they're all game used, chunky patch autos with on card autos. How can you go wrong? Like, I just don't get it. But there is no true rookie card in that set. So yep. there are a bunch of cards that are rookies, but they're out of fives, out of tens. You don't know. There's no in the set. That's the only thing I would change. Because if they had a true, like what, where they're just like, listen, the out of 10 is now the true. The others are variations. That set would be unbelievably massive because that's the goofy thing. Eric, how many times have me and you argued in shout out to clubhouse? Uh, me and you have argued about um, with other people, flawless versus national yep. treasures. And the only reason national treasures does more money is because the true out of 99 yep. is a true rookie patch auto. But in flawless, you get game used memorabilia. So it's like, but just a lot of parallels. It's just but a people. Lot. Yeah. But people love the true stuff. Mm -hmm. So that would be my one critique, but yes, what Eric said, I don't think it's controversial at all. I think dynasty is beyond slept on. I mean, in your liquid auction, there was a 2017 game used trout out of five bookend um, PSA 10 only went for 1500 bucks. If that wow. was a basketball card of like, imagine like a LeBron or like the goats, sure. like cause trout is considered a goat. That'd be a $10,000 card game yeah. used patch auto on card <laughs> early career. Like it just makes no sense. The disrespect dynasty gets, but guess what? I love it. Cause I scoop up dynasty cards all the time of yeah. legends for pennies on the dollar. So, and I think what they could do to add some type of fillers, make a base card with no auto, a base card, number to a thousand, right? Make it that number to a thousand. You could have a base auto, same card, just an auto number to one ninety nine or two fifty. And then, then you have the base patch auto number to 99. And then you make the other parallels, like, you know, like what a number to. And make it a two card product that way. So like you get your patch auto and then behind it maybe is one base card. Cause the only thing that would be tough about that, which I agree with you is at the price point they release Eric. Imagine if you opened up a pack, a single, cause it's all single card. You don't get anything up, but one card. 
and you got just a base card, you'd feel kind of. No, I mean, you could make it a multi-card product, right? That's so, what I'm saying. Make it a two yeah. card, just or, the patch auto. And then you get a, a variation of the base. So it could be out of $4.99, and one one you know? What you could probably do is make it a three-card product. You give a base card of whatever player, um, the base parallel, which is number to 250 that's autographed, and then the banger, right? then the patch auto. Right. And it's not, it's, of course, three different people. Right. But you get one base, one auto, one patch auto. You get Something one like three. that would be really cool. I and agree. then you could, you could increase the, the, the box price a little bit. Of course, you don't want to triple it, but you can increase it a little bit because you're given three cards. And even if the base is only, if the base is numbered to a thousand, that's still not a lot. Right. So that's still a pretty scarce card because if you have a key player, people are going to want to chase that base card over probably other base cards, you know, because to 100%. them, I mean, the card could be worth a few hundred bucks. And then, the, the base parallel number to 250, that's just autographed. Well, of course, that's going to be a great, because it's basically the same thing minus the patch. That's going to be another chase card, you know? So then you get more than just the one card that people, you know, are chasing in that product. So that's a good one, man. And we're already at an hour. Whew. Yeah, we're getting close to the end. Uh, real quick. Um, so what are, we're five days away from the national. What are some of the, things you're looking forward to booths expeditions or exhibits uh things goals tips let's just do a massive national topic to cap it off we're five days away let's get it all out on the air what should people do what are you excited about what are you looking forward to the meat and potatoes all, all of right, it so national. Going, going in before the national gets here and i'm i know I'm, I'm really bad at this but this is somebody said eric what do i do before Wednesday gets there, you need to have a ballpark idea of what you're doing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, right? What you don't want to have happen is the show's over and you're like, all right, what do I do? Because there's four or five events going on. You need to have those events lined up of what you're going to do. You know, you need to know. Now, there might be three things you're going to go to, but pick one and then bounce from one to the other. So you need to know what your evenings are going to be like, right? That's key right there. What are my evenings? Because you know what you're doing during the day. You're going to the freaking national. What are you going to do at evening? Where you're going to eat and all that other stuff, what you're going to drink, that'll just fall in place. That just always does. But you got to figure out what event you're going to go to. Make sure you hit a trade night. You want to make sure that that trade night, it, you don't have to be there the whole time, but you need to make sure you're going to hit it because the trade nights are bangers, right? Those are just very important. It's basically just a night that's one third or one fifth the size of the national, but there's a lot of stuff going there. You get to interact with dealers. You get to interact with all the people you probably didn't see through the national because they're all going to be in one area. Highly recommend that. The third thing, which I find most important for me, is don't, I would say, spend at least one day, one whole day, looking at stuff you don't normally look at. Whatever that may be. If you collect top ones, spend a day looking at cards and photos. If you collect cards, look, spend a whole day looking at everything that's not card related. That way you can kind of open your eyes about what else is out there. You know, and it kind of gives you a break of the monotony. So those are the three things that I always tell people to try to, you know, you want to lock in on because I'm going to be honest, this national I'm feeling is almost like a whole new ballpark. It's bigger. They've got a specific trade night. There's a lot of different events going on. I feel like fanatics going to have a big presence. I just think that this one's going to be different than any national that's been over the past decade or so. So you kind of want to be able to go into it with a real good game plan. Couldn't agree more. I am so freaking excited. Um, I don't even have a lot to say because I think you hit a lot of the topics for me just real quickly. And then Alex, you can go over um, your thoughts. Uh, 
I'm just excited to see all my friends. Listen, I, the hobby is a beautiful place. Um, I've made great friends with a lot of people. I, my business partner and co-host Alex, um, you, Eric, who has been nothing but a mentor to me in a sense, and plenty of other people. I'm not going to name everyone because I don't want people to feel left out, but so many freaking friends I've made. And this is the one time of year we can all meet up, nerd out over the crap we love, and have a good time. So obviously, do I want to make money? Yes. Do I want to buy cards? Yes. Do I want to sell cards? Heck yes. Do I want to see cool memorabilia? 100%. See all these uh, celebrities? Heck yeah. But the friendships and the moments that I've made over the years, um, this will be my third national, are some of my fondest memories I've ever had. Like, honestly, and I'm not trying to sound corny or sad or it's just the truth. It's been nothing but an amazing time every time. And it's really, really special. And I hope people realize, like, you need to cherish this stuff because it's a very, very special time. So I'm just excited to see everyone there. Have a good time. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Alex? Dude, you're so corny. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so two things. <clears throat> The first one I already forgot. The second one, uh, actually, the first one I did remember. Uh, talk to people that, for some reason, like we all get this this weird feeling in our head, like, oh, I, I'm not going to talk to that person, whether they're like sitting down at their booth or like you never know what people are going through. So they might be at the national, but something's going on at home. If someone's sitting down, they're looking down, they're not greeting you, whatever. Go up to them, talk to them. You never know. One, what kind of a relationship you could establish with somebody. And two, what kind of like cards they have or cards they may have in the back that they're not in the case. So <clears throat> be respectful, you know, talk to people like that. Uh, and two, very important, when you make a deal and it's completed, just for your own receipt, right? Because a lot of times it's a card show, there's going to be a receipt, there's not. But when there's not, Make sure that you take a picture of the deal. So lay everything out on the case. Take a picture of the deal. Get the person's social media. Just in case there's something later on down the road that, that irks you. Whatever it may be. I usually like to do that. And it just makes me sleep much better that night and, and in the future. That way I just have that person's information. I have the whole deal in front of me via a photo. And... Uh, it just really, really helps out. So we all have, we all have cameras on our phone. Um, use it, man. And, and bring a battery backup, bring a battery backup for that phone. If you're on it a lot. And, and I'll top that off real quick. I think that's important. Beef jerky, maybe some peanuts and protein bars. You need water. Some, well, water. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they'll let you bring in the water. You probably have to, I'm not going to say sneak it in, but either way. But one thing that I find is really important for people Comfortable shoes, and for God's sakes, bring really comfortable socks. You yes. need to have good footwear, bro. That is a pro goddamn tip right there. <laughs> I mean, footwear and socks. Dude, I went out and bought like these six pair of socks. It was like 30 bucks, like five or six bucks a pair. They're like really thick. They got, you know, just they're something you probably go hiking with. And I brought those six pair of socks with me, man, because, man, your feet are everything, especially by day three. You're just, you're either loving life. It don't matter if you're a fitness model, a marathon well, jogger whatever your feet are murdering they're screaming after day one or two or three so 
Yeah, yeah it, gonna, it's rough. You go from Dr. Beckett to Dr. Scholes, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, Eric, we thank you so much for your time. Um, we can't wait till the next episode and everything. Podcast is obviously sponsored by Alt.xyz. We love you guys. We can't wait to see you at the National. Everyone, reach out to me, Alex, Eric, Alt, everyone. Thank you just so much for coming by. Y'all have a good one. See you at the National. Bye, guys. Bye.